0: Hi, I'm Ellie Roark.
1: I'm Wilson Gall.
0: And you're listening to the Fledgling Theories podcast, where every month we discuss a recent piece of bird research. So today we're going to be talking about the composition of British bird communities is associated with long-term garden bird feeding by Kate E. Plummer, Kate Risley, Mike P. Toms, and Gavin M. Siri Wardina. This article is asking the question, have bird feeders affected the composition of bird communities?
1: This is funny because that, seems like it should just be an obvious yes right like like obviously it must matter when you're putting all this food out there that's got to change the birds in some way but i think it's never really been studied so this is looking at a national scale at population trends of individual species right and i don't think it's ever really been studied at that scale before um
0: no, especially not. They have 40 years of data from 1973 to 2013, and uh, during that time, that, that time kind of encompasses the rise in popularity of, of bird feeding, and so um, we're kind of not, only just now in a unique position to look historically at, at how bird feeding might have changed populations.
1: And one of the things about this study is that they're not studying individual species so much as communities. They're interested in the entire bird community at a national scale. And they're wondering, has bird feeding fundamentally changed the the entire national community of birds?
0: Right. And that's an interesting question because your automatic yes for has it changed bird communities, I think has a lot to do with our anecdotal feeling of like helping individual birds but it's, you can't think about the entire community clearly when you're just looking out your window at, at birds at the feeder.
1: Yeah, at a very small scale, it's obvious that if you've never had a bird feeder up in your garden or your yard or something, and you put one up, maybe the first couple of days or the first week or maybe even the first month, you don't have many birds there, and then birds start to discover it, they learn where it is, they learn that you always put new seeds out on, you know, on Wednesday morning or whatever, <laughs> right. and you start getting more birds in your garden you start getting different kinds of birds that you've never seen in your garden and so it's very obvious that at a very local scale providing that feeder sort of changes the community of birds in your garden
0: exactly but
1: that's just happening that's not there's no change in sort of the population of birds how many of those birds live in the area those birds are already in the area and they're just sort of arriving they're moving into your garden sometimes but you haven't over the course of a couple days or a couple months there, sort of increased the population.
0: Right. That's not something that you can observe anecdotally. No,
1: you've just sort of... I mean, this is something that ecologists think about sometimes when they're thinking about communities of organisms in an area. There's sort of what we call the regional pool, which is all the species that are sort of in the rough area, the broad area, that are sort of available. And that regional pool is what feeds some sort of local community. So your local community is made up of all the species that are in the regional pool that could possibly come to your local site. This study is really looking more at that regional pool. Has the community of that regional pool changed in some way? So it's not just which birds are showing up at the site, it's have we added more birds or have we changed the structure of that regional pool of species.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they did, I think you mentioned, they they did this at a national scale. So this is for all of Britain.
1: And it seems like, I mean, the answer looks to me like a pretty resounding yes. Like there have been major community-wide ecological uh, impacts from, from bird feeding, which shouldn't really come as a surprise. You're putting a ton of food. So what was the statistic they had about how much food, let me look through the paper here.
0: Oh yeah, they had their homeowners are providing enough supplementary food to support somewhere around 196 million birds, which is way more than the actual population of birds in Great Britain.
1: Yeah, this this is in Britain. Huh? There's enough food for 196 million birds. I remember reading right. that study and basically that that was a previous study and they just sort of took the average ener, energy requirements for different species of birds and um sort of multiplied by how many birds they thought were in the country and then you get sort of an estimate of the number of birds in the country and then to get the estimates of food they have this garden breeding birds survey which asks people how much food they set out also the amount of bird food and stuff can be tracked by looking at how much is sold um, you know, by looking at suppliers. And so they sort of estimated, they roughly estimated how much was being sold. They roughly estimated the energy costs of individual birds. And they came up with this estimate.
0: Yeah. And he, the answer is that homeowners are providing way more food than the entire bird population of Great Britain could ever eat.
1: Yeah. Most of the common bird species, there's just not enough birds or most of the common bird species that visit feeders. There's just not enough birds to eat all this food. There's there's an excess of food or or at least close to it. It's yeah. certainly not a negligible amount of food. This is a major new resource right for these birds.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And when you when that happens, you would expect that it might have repercussions at the population level. Right. If food is limiting. So if food isn't what's limiting bird populations, then it doesn't matter how much more food you provide that's not what's holding the population down. Sure,
0: if there's enough food out in the wild, no matter what, and there are other limiting factors, then it doesn't matter whether you put bird or food at your feeder or not.
1: But a lot of bird feeding is done during the winter when um, food might be a limiting resource. There are plenty of other individual studies and individual species that suggest that bird feeding does help individual species, and so it's reasonable to assume that providing this major input of food resources will result in a population level change.
0: Yeah, and indeed it seems that it has. Um, they found So these authors found that the number of species that use feeders is growing over time, or has grown over the last 40 years, and the populations of those species are also growing.
1: Yeah, so to to check the population, so the, the bird feeding data comes from this garden uh, bird Feeding survey, where basically people sign up to the survey.
0: It's like a citizen science thing. People report what's in their garden.
1: Yeah, so over a number of weeks, you know, 20 or 30 weeks or something, they write down how much uh, bird food they put out, how many feeders there are in their yard, and then the maximum number of each species of bird they see in their yard at any given time. And this is one way when you're counting numbers of birds, so it, you know, birds move around a lot, so it's sometimes hard if you see three robins now, and then later you see another two robins, and then later you see one more robin. Do we count six robins? No. The way we usually do it is we count the largest number we saw at any one time. So I'd count three robins because I know I saw three all at one time, so there's at least three birds there.
0: Right, and the other two and the one could have been of the same three that you saw, or they could have been new birds, but it's a more conservative estimate to count only three.
1: So that's what the people participating in this survey did. They write down the maximum number of birds they see in their garden each week, I think, or something like that, and um, and send this data in to the national uh, project.
0: Yeah. So interestingly, they found that the population of feeder species are growing, but non-feeder species, birds that don't visit the feeders, are not increasing in population.
1: Yeah, and so the way. The way they got at this question is they sort of grouped birds into birds that were seen at feeders, and they sort of called these feeder visitors, and they were pretty conservative. They said anything that's seen um, at more than 10% of feeders in the country will call it a feeder visitor. Yeah. So birds that show up at feeders get this feeder visitor status. Birds that don't show up at feeders are in the other category. And then they compared the population growth rates of, of all of those individual species, estimated, I think, from a different national study, wasn't it? Yeah, so I just looked at the methods section, and they they got population trends for each bird species from uh, a a different set of studies, the Common Bird Census and the Breeding Bird Survey for England. So these are studies that try to systematically survey the country, all species, because remember, this study's garden bird feeder data wouldn't have much information on all of those species that don't use feeders. Right, of course. So they went to these other studies, they got the population trends for all these species, and then they said, in these major population trend studies, are the population trends of the feeder using species different from the population trends of the non-feeder using species? Right.
0: right. Because if you're trying to isolate kind of the effect that feeding has had um, on bird communities, then you don't just want to look at the populations in general because you need to be able to isolate the effect of feeders.
1: And so there was a, a clear difference. They were looking at this in urban areas, which is where most feeders are. And, and urban was also suburban. It's basically anywhere with houses and lots of gardens. Yep. There was a clear difference. The birds that visit feeders have, on average, higher population growth rates than birds that don't visit feeders. And what's more, the species that grew fastest in their populations also increased how much they visit feeders. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning of this study, in in the early years of the Garden Bird Feeder Survey, I think somewhere in here there's a graph that is showing that basically most feeders... Uh, were dominated by two or maybe three species.
0: Right, exactly. I thought this was a really interesting finding.
1: Yeah, and more recently, there are many more species that come to the feeders. Yeah, so and the
0: diversity at your individual feeder has increased by a lot.
1: Has increased. Yeah, that's right. And so you have birds that are starting to visit more feeders in the, or or expand to more different feeders across the country. And those birds that are expanding and arriving at feeders more, are the ones whose populations are growing fastest. Yep. And so let's just talk about that for a second. You know, why would it be uh, that in 1970, there were only two or maybe three species that were totally dominating feeders and you, you almost didn't see anything else, and now you have all these additional species?
0: Well, one theory is that with the, the growth of the commercial bird feeding industry, uh, the product diversity has increased a lot. And so people are now putting out a number of different kinds of bird seed at their feeders, a number of different feeders even in their garden.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, and so this, that's exactly it. The study is saying that it's actually sort of the individual choices that people are making in their bird feeding that is having this community level impact. Right. So it's not surprising that in your own garden, you might put out two or three different kinds of feeders because you're interested in seeing more different kinds of birds.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's kind of an individual incentive to maximize diversity in your, in your yard. Yeah,
1: you might have a, a sunflower seeder because that gets some of the finches and things like that. And then you might have a suet feeder because you know that's going to attract a different set of birds. Right. And so this study sort of looked at that by looking at advertisements for bird feeding products in uh, Common Birding Magazine. And they went through these advertisements by hand and basically tried to classify how many different kinds of feeders were being advertised, how many different kinds of food. And the number of different kinds of food that are being marketed and advertised has gone up. The number of different types of feeders has gone up. So they're saying probably people are buying more different types of food and feeders. Right.
0: Yeah. Especially now that, um, you know, bird feeding is not a niche thing for hippie environmentalists anymore. It's not like people putting their food scraps out on their back porch. It's uh,
1: yeah. I don't know that it was ever for environmentalists. I well, sure, sure, Lots sure, of sure. people like to feed birds, but yep. but it's certainly a major um, multi-billion-dollar industry at this point. Right. And a lot of people do it.
0: Yep. One thing I thought was really interesting is that the number of feeders increases the diversity of birds in your yard. Um, or increases the number of species
1: found in your yard
0: more than different types of food.
1: Huh. Where, do you remember where that was in the study? Mm. Or did they talk about why that is? I mean, I can think of a couple of reasons that Oh, might no, be.
0: I'm sorry. I misstated that. It's that the number of feeders in the garden influenced species richness more than habitat or winter temperature, not more than types of food. Sorry.
1: Yeah, that's right. So a lot... <clears throat> I would say if you took the typical study looking at population changes, it looks uh, to say um, has changing temperatures been changing been influencing populations, or has habitat change influenced populations, right. or has so building more houses caused populations to go down, or something? Adding green space caused populations to go up. So one of the things this study did is it took all those normal things that we sort of normally look at with population change, habitats temperatures, winter temperature, whatever. Right. And said, could these things explain the population changes that we've seen?
0: Exactly. So you might assume that if you have a garden with a little pond in it and with, you know, different kind, like flowers and bushes with nice cover, different different levels, that that habitat is going to dictate the number of species that you see in your garden. Actually this study found that the number of feeders you put out is the more important predictive factor.
1: Yeah, those other things might matter, but actually the number of feeders seems to matter more, which is just more evidence that the feeders are actually one of the main driving forces in these communities. Yep. Which again, once you get the study showing that, should seem like no surprise because you expect food to be limiting, and so of course we provide more food and we get more birds, more different kinds of birds.
0: Yeah, of course, although, yeah, it is interesting what you bring up. You know, there are a lot of other factors out there that are influencing bird population changes. And so the real trick of this study is trying to figure out whether changes in the birds seen at feeders are reflecting popu- larger population changes or whether they're causing population changes.
1: And they got at that a little bit. I mean, you're right. So, so s- suppose for some reason there's something else that caused birds that visit feeders to have populations that were increasing. Suppose these birds are also better able to deal with rising temperatures. Sure. And rising temperatures are the major stress. Well, then you would think these birds that can deal with rising temperatures, and oh, by the way, also visit feeders, will be increasing faster, and so of course we're gonna see more of them. You know, you sort of have this problem of, of this is a correlative study. Exactly. Correlation doesn't imply causation. You can't be sure what's causing it, so so there could be other explanations. Yep. The way they tried to um, test that a little bit was, okay, they found this result that we've already said where the feeder birds are increasing faster in urban areas where yep. there are a lot of feeders. They also looked at it in rural areas where there are not very many feeders, Right. where so you this- might have a, an occasional scattered house with a feeder, but for the most part, most birds out in these rural areas can't get to a feeder. They don't have access to one.
0: Yeah. So they were looking at at feeder bird species, but out in areas where there are no feeders to see whether the population changes and trends matched feeder bird or matched the population changes and trends in areas where there were feeders.
1: And what they found in these rural areas is there's no difference in the population trends between birds that can visit feeders, you know, species that do visit feeders and species that don't. The population trends the same in right. rural areas.
0: So when there are no feeders, there we don't see the population increase that you see when there are feeders, That's which right. is a pretty powerful piece of evidence suggesting that feeders are uh, the mechanism here.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of other things that change along a rural to urban gradient. Of course. Um, so you, you always have that issue with correlative studies. But what they did in this is they, they took a couple different ways of getting at it. Um, and all of these different tests they did seem to point towards feeders being the most Im- important factor there.
0: Yeah. Which you would kind of expect. I mean, I was really stunned by that number of how how much food <laughs> is out there. I mean, that just seems like an absolutely major change to the kind of dynamics for bird populations.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think that's what's very interesting to think about here is what could be sort of the knock-on effects of massively increasing populations of this certain sort of group or sector of birds. Right. Um, You know, if a lot of bird feeding is happening, I mean, I'm just speculating now, but if a lot of bird feeding is happening during the winter, and that's when the food is limiting, you're sort of increasing overwinter survival, basically. The birds start the breeding season with more fat reserves, so they're able to have more chicks and population has gone, okay, that's fine. So, but what are these birds eating during the spring and summer? Um, either the feeders are taken in, or maybe the birds don't want to visit the feeders because maybe they're getting insects and caterpillars and things to feed to their young. Sure. Well, if you increase the population of birds, do we now have an increased predation pressure on these insects and mm. these caterpillars? Yep. Um,
0: yeah, of course. And I mean, people are feeding all year round increasingly. As well.
1: Um, You know, so other things to think about is that, so in in that respect, birds are predators of insects, but these birds also might be prey of other species. So now, do we have an increased sort of prey base that's going to cause increases in predators anywhere, uh, somewhere else? It's not that, um, you know, it's just that the sort of the balance of things are going to shift. Birds that don't visit feeders are comparatively as a proportion of the population seem to be decreasing. And yeah. so you just have this shift in where the large numbers of birds are in the community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, I kind of wonder if if centralizing food resources in this way um, increases vulnerability for bird populations. You know, like if we're kind of... I mean, it could represent a homogenization of food resources for some birds. And if that person stops feeding or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there are, certainly is wild food availability as well.
1: but Yeah, but without a doubt, if the, incre- if the provision mm-hmm. of food in feeders has let the populations increase, then obviously, I think if you took that food away, if you stopped putting out feeders, then the population would decrease again back sure. to the level of kind of support. That would that would require sort of a large scale stopping of bird feeding. Stopping feeding in your yard isn't gonna
0: no of course not not.
1: hurt the population because almost certainly those birds would be able to get to another feeder somewhere else. Right. But I think there are some well documented cases where feeding at bird feeders harms birds. A lot of these are disease transmission.
0: Right. Exactly. The bird con the bird population is concentrated and they all end up kind of swapping spit at the feeder basically yeah, the feeders
1: <laughs> can be can be places where diseases are sort of passed from bird to bird yeah so that can be a, a potential negative effect
0: yeah and then it also seems like it, uh, this would make competition at the feeder a, a hugely important factor in bird life if if your primary food resource is at the feeder
1: yeah, and there have been studies that look at this. And I'm sure, you know, if you have a bird feeder at home, most likely if you sit down there for a morning and really look, you'll see dominance patterns and competition happening there. Some species will be able to chase other species off the feeder. Right. Um, or, or things like that. So there, without a doubt, there's some sort of winners and losers even at the feeder. Yeah, of course. And... Um, you know, changing the amount of food that you put out there or, or the amount of different types of feeders. You know, if, if you only had one type of feeder initially, there might have been competition there. But then if you provide a new, slightly different type of feeder, you basically might reduce some of that competition because the birds that are sort of the losers at your main feeder would be able to go to the secondary feeder and might be less disturbed there. Yeah. But also you might start attracting new types of species that weren't coming before that might sit differently in this hierarchy of dominance. And so there's all sorts of really interesting questions there about the interactions between birds themselves. Right. And how that can affect the community. And uh, that's a question that I think um, would be fun to sort of study just at, at a hobby level. Yeah, I level. agree.
0: At your own feeder. Yeah. yeah. You
1: just have to take some simple notes. You know, I mean, it, it could be as simple as, as just sort of recording when a bird of one species arrives uh, do the birds that are already at the feeder stay there, or do they leave? You know, sort of. Yep. That's a very simple way to capture an ability to to dominate the food resource yep. or something like that. Um, or you could look at the number of explicitly uh, confrontational interactions. You know, it's one thing if birds sort of like are just going for the food and the feeder, but do they ever occasionally turn and sort of snap at each other, flap their wings at each other? That's a much more aggressive type of behavior.
0: Yeah, sure. Um,
1: But there are studies that that do that. There's clearly these dominance hierarchies that exist at feeders.
0: Yep. I kind of wonder, this is real speculation here, but it seems like, given that we know that there are partial migrant species who may visit feeders, um, what kind of effect winter feeding would have on migration long-term?
1: Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. I thought, I have this very vague memory of having read a study about that with black caps in Europe, in Great Britain, I think. Huh. I might be wrong about this, but I thought there was a study that, well, there's there's certainly the case that black caps seem to be overwintering more frequently. So they can migrate. Yeah. Um, but sometimes in the British Isles, they stay put all winter long. Yeah. And it seems like they're staying put all winter long more um, In recent years. Sure. So, you know, the question is always, was that temperature or what? And I thought I remember a study saying that actually they're able to do that because of all this winter food being provided at feeders. But I could be very badly misremembering that. I was actually looking through the references in that paper to see if they cited that study. And I don't see it, which makes me think that maybe I'm misremembering it. Um, Yeah. But I think that's that's definitely... uh, uh, you know, if that has been studied, I don't think it's been studied for many species yet, like maybe the black caps, maybe a couple of others. But
0: right, sure.
1: Yeah, but you're right. Any partially migrant species, that, would be a, that, that visits a feeder. That would be a very relevant study.
0: Yeah. And I kind of wonder, you know, let's say feeder provisioning is booming for the next 20 years or so, forget it, for the next 80 years. And and some partially migrant species stop migrating or or you know don't migrate because of the feeder provisioning and then the feeder provisioning disappears would that cause a population crash or do you think that they would could they redevelop migration i mean this is like
1: well i think it really depends really. on what is causing them to migrate if it's a sort of uh, if they stop migrating to stay at the feeders it suggests that they have some behavioral flexibility. Sure. Maybe not individual birds.
0: Right, but um, it's not a programmed not response. Year. Well,
1: yeah, it's just saying that the population at the whole is sort of able to change, able to adjust. Okay. And so you might think that they could then, that population could then adjust back the other way. As yeah. long as there hasn't, as long as you haven't somehow lost that plasticity or that, the potential to do the other behavior. Right. But... I guess, I mean, it would be possible, I guess, if there is some um, genetic component to this. Or, We're truly
0: venturing into territory that I know literally nothing well, about.
1: Well, see, I'm just trying to think, you know, I think, it, I think that um, any time you have a population, the, the thing that allows sort of adaptation and evolution and change is variability within the population. Right, 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 right. So even if almost all of the population is doing one thing, say migrating, as long as you have a few weird oddball individuals who are not migrating.
0: Then there's the opportunity to kind of, yeah, yeah grow it, that section of the population.
1: Right. That variability yeah. in the population, those few birds out there testing the water somewhere else, give that population the the ability to change over time because those few oddball birds might become successful and that part of the population grows. Right. So similarly, if that whole population were to shift over to where those oddballs are, and so now the whole population is staying, as long as you have some variability and you have birds that are occasionally testing the other behavior, yeah. that population would have the ability to shift back. If you lose that variability for whatever reason, and that can happen through all sorts of mechanisms, then they wouldn't be able to adjust. So I, I don't know that you could predict very well whether they would retain that popu- that uh, variability or not, but, yeah. but if the time scale is short enough, I think, yeah, they would still have that Variability, they'd still retain the ability to go back to a migratory behavior. Sure. But, um, yeah, interesting studies because it's sort of the, the choices that individual people are making in their gardens about their bird feeding are have these evolutionary population-level <laughs> right. effects on totally. bird Very cool stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, so what do you think, Wilson? Do you think, <clears throat> given that that these individual actions at your feeder can have this dramatic effect Uh, where do you fall on bird feeding
1: (laughs) well I mean I think there's
0: I mean I just don't I I feel like um emphasizing how dramatic this effect is maybe makes it sound like well I don't know about bird feeding and I'm not sure that's the lesson we should take away here but what do you think (laughs) I think bird feeding
1: is fine I think it's great I also don't think that you need to look Mm -hmm. at it as if your individual behavior feeding birds is having a dramatic effect on the population. The only way this, I mean, the the reason this is having such a huge effect is that across the whole nation of Great Britain, people are putting out enough food to feed, you know, 196 million birds. I (laughs) mean, this is, this is really a, a community population human behavior that's influencing the community of birds. So, um, you know, I think, I think bird feeding is fine. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you're going to be changing the the winners and losers out there in the bird community. You're going to be benefiting the birds that can visit your feeders. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think that's necessarily bad. Yep. Especially if you sort of uh, pay attention to the recommendations about how to clean feeders and things like that to prevent disease transmission.
0: Yep, exactly. And that
1: sort of advice is easy enough to find if you go to just sort of your local birding clubs or things like that. Right. Look at the websites of the Audubon Society or something like that. Yeah. But overall, I think this study is kind of a a good example of, you know, the best studies in science are not really complicated ideas. They're simple ideas that seem obvious that no one has thought to test yet. And that's exactly what this is. Like, you just feel like, of course, bird feeding should be affecting the population. (laughs) Um, But no one's really done or at least not that I have seen, done a good study of national-scale populations like this. I think this is a very cool study. I agree. And I think part of what's so cool is how um, simple it is and how obvious the findings seem after you get them. You know, you read, <laughs> right. I read the study, I go, oh, of course. Um, you know, but of course, I hadn't thought of it before the study, yeah. or at least not as, not as explicitly.
0: Yeah, and I think these authors do a good job, too, of trying to pick apart some of the, trying to get at the causation. Rather than than just demonstrating the correlation.
1: Yeah.
0: So, uh, if you want to read this study for yourself, you can find it um, in the Nature Communications Journal. The composition of British bird communities is associated with long-term garden bird feeding. Kate E. Plummer, Kate Risley, Mike P. Toms, and Gavin Gavin M. Siriwardena. Uh, the DOI is 10.1038-S41467-019-10111-5. Thanks for listening!
1: The funding for my PhD position comes from a project funded by Science Foundation Ireland. I'm at University College Dublin in the Ecological Modeling Group of John Gearsley. If you want to find out more about our research in the Ecological Modeling Group, You can go to www.ucd.ie backslash ecobodel.